El Fanboy, episode 58. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 58th edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? First things first, I gotta thank everyone who made it out last night to the Revenge of the Fans, Revengers Infinity War watch party at the Alamo Draft House in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, it's great to see that these watch parties are growing, you know, with Justice League. You know, we had a nice collection of people. Then for Ready Player One, we had an even bigger collection of people. And then for last night, it was arguably our biggest, you know, grouping so far to get together to watch a movie together and, and discuss it afterward and all that good stuff. The night did not go off without a hitch. There was a, an unfortunate technical uh, goof up on my end that it really sort of shines light on the fact that I could really use an assistant in all of this stuff because uh, unfortunately someone near and dear to me had to uh, suffer the consequence of, of me. Um, I just I dropped the ball on something. You know you know who you are. I've made my apologies to you and I'm going to make it up to you. You know it. All right. Um, but okay. You know the, the night was wonderful. We got to see the movie and let's talk about Infinity War, shall we? I'm going to let you know my completely spoiler-free thoughts on the matter. Um, I had a great time. You know, there was a lot of build-up, obviously, a lot of anticipation heading into this one. You know, 10 years worth of Marvel Cinematic Storytelling built up to this, and my own internal fandom was probably going to make it very hard for me to hate this movie, you know, no matter what. You know, it would have to literally be two hours of Thanos taking a dump on screen for me to... Uh, <laughs> For me to have disliked this thing because it just, you know, it, my internal hype was way too high. But with that said, I am still sort of digesting it all. I can't, it's going to be hard for me to assign a letter grade. You know, yesterday my, my hot take letter grade when we were discussing the film at the House of Wax bar afterward, um, I gave it an A- minus at the time. But honestly, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to stick. I'm going to need probably another viewing and definitely some more time to process things because while I definitely had an amazing time, you know, th there were other outside factors. You know, the, the, there's what I mentioned already with my internal hype sort of putting a very positive spin on everything I saw. There's the fact that, you know, it was very well directed in terms of littering it with all of these wonderful bits of fan service and interesting Easter eggs and surprises. And, you know, it, that can make it hard to see the film for what it really is. So I'm still trying to sift through everything. But overall, you know, I had a great time. There were moments of genuine surprise, moments of genuine heartbreak. I got my adrenaline going. I had my pulse pounding at times. But there were also, you know, some, some aimless moments. There were some moments where I found myself surprisingly bored considering how much is going on and what's at stake. You know, there were a couple, you know, there was a section or two that dragged a little more than I expected. Um, and, you know, and there was this sort of sense that it, it, it's a somewhat incomplete experience. And what I mean by that is, you know, unlike some other Marvel movies and, and, and the other Avengers films that have come before, 
you know, this one really does rely on your prior knowledge. It really does rely on your prior investments. And I understand why, you know, that with so much story to tell and so many characters to tackle, they don't have time to try to catch you up and try to make this its own, you know, beginning, middle, and end standalone story. They, you know, they were going to have to rely on these 10 years of building blocks. So I get that. But I, you know, a part of me is very curious how people who haven't been living and breathing the MCU since 2008 are going to take to this. And even just based on my random sampling yesterday, you know, everyone who is invested in the MCU and, has, and who has gone to see all these movies and, and who really has a dog in this race, they all gave it marks that were like in the A's or in the high B, you know, the B plus or the A's. The people who were sort of like, you know, they're, they're fans, but they're more casual level fans, were more like B and B minus. So nobody disliked it, but there's going to be a definite sort of, you know, disparity in your enjoyment level. If you're way into the MCU and you're invested here, you're going to have a far better time than if you're someone who's been sort of, you know, on the bubble, more on the fence. You've seen a couple of them, but you could take or leave this, you know, because that's the thing, you know, it feels somewhat incomplete in that regard. And it really sort of, you know, it, it it's a very different animal than what the original Avengers director would have wanted. You know, Joss Whedon has said in the past that to him it's important that every film be able to stand on its own. In general, not just in the Marvel world. In general, movies need to have a beginning, a middle, and a satisfying conclusion. They shouldn't feel like they're part of a larger tapestry. Each movie should be able to stand on its own and have its own internal logic. So even if you just wandered into the theater for the first time without seeing any of these, you could sit and have a wonderful time. So I feel like Joss, maybe that's one of, the, one of the other reasons he didn't stick around after Age of Ultron, because he could tell that Infinity War was going to be pretty much impossible to make stand on its own. So in that regard, it does feel somewhat incomplete. It does rely a lot on your prior investments. And, you know, we all know this. This is not a spoiler. But the fact that it ends on something of a cliffhanger, because this is supposed to be basically parts one, you know, part one of a two-part Avengers saga, um, you know, it, it, it has the unfortunate, you know, side effect of making a lot of this movie feel like a setup for which we are not going to get the resolution for another year. So you're kind of left with like cinematic blue balls a little bit when they when it's over, there is this sense of like what wh but wh how what how do we where what you know, so um, so that's why, like, you know, it, it's hard for me to judge this movie based on all of that. But all I know is it is a great ride, no matter what. So if you are an MCU fan, I mean, listen, I, you know, you're going to see this no matter what I tell you. <laughs> you know, if, this is one of these movies that I feel like it's a complete obligation. But I will say I sign off on your decision to see this. Because it is, it, it is a definite must-see cinematic experience, especially if you're into comic book movies, especially if you're into Marvel. You know, it's a very well-done film, uh, even despite some of its nagging issues. And, you know, in, in the coming weeks, as, as it becomes easier to discuss spoilers and all that sort of stuff, and hopefully I'll get a, another chance to see it, uh, I will give you a more reason, reasonable, nuanced review of the film. But uh, overall, go see Avengers Infinity War. It's definitely worth it. It won't disappoint you, 
you know, you might leave maybe not as in love with it as you thought you would, but I don't think anyone could walk out of that and say it was a bad movie, because it's definitely not a bad movie, just a little incomplete at times. Um, but all right, so now since I don't want to delve into any spoilers, that means I kind of have to move away from Infinity War already. So let's get into some of the interesting DC stuff that's been happening this week, because there's been a lot of activity and if you're a fan of DC Comics and the DC Cinematic Universe, or the DCU as I call it, and, and as Jeff Johns calls it, so can we please finally put DCEU to, to, to bed? It's the DCU, everybody. Come on, let's get on the same page here. But, um, yeah, so you know, if you're a fan of the DCU and you're a fan of these iconic DC characters, there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, you know, Warner Brothers showed up to CinemaCon, and there was all kinds of goodness for those in attendance. Unfortunately, it meant the rest of us peasants out here were not able to, uh, you know, lay eyes on it just yet. But, you know, people saw some of the movie. They showed some, you know, kind of like a sizzle reel from Aquaman. We released a description of it, uh, you know, via a report on RevengeOfTheFans.com, so I definitely suggest you check that out. But from what I read, I mean, Aquaman sounds great. It sounds epic. It sounds like it has a very grand scope, and they really are doing some world building here in terms of, you know, um, Arthur's sort of, you know, underwater kingdom down there, and they're really making it seem like what's happening down there has really earth-shattering stakes and stakes that will also affect those of us on land, so it's not just Arthur and a bunch of fishes down there like everyone was scared Aquaman would be originally when people were like, really, how do you make an Aquaman movie? Well, it sounds like James Wan and company have found a way to make his underwater tale resonate with everything, with everyone, with everything that's going on around them. So I cannot wait. I also cannot wait because the feedback has been positive. You know, the descriptions are not merely that it looked okay. It's that people watched it and now they really wanted to see more and they could really sense that this is going to be a special film. Everyone is talking about how awesome, how epic, how incredible it looked. So if, you know, the, the, the hype train for Aquaman continues to you know, pick up speed and I can't wait to see a trailer. You know, I hope it comes sooner rather than later. But either way, it sounds like Aquaman is going to be a special film and exactly what the franchise needs following Justice League. Uh, one of the other big you know, uh, bits of news that came out of that were that Wonder Woman 2 is uh, confirmed to be set in the 80s. That was a rumor a few months back, and Patty Jenkins apparently confirmed that rumor at CinemaCon saying that it will indeed take place in the 80s which you know which is right of like right in the heart of like Cold War era US Russian relations so it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of tackle that period tackle that socio-political climate that the world was in at the time where Diana falls in everything does she side with the Reagan administration does she side with, uh, what's his name, Gorbachev over there in Russia? Does she try to find a diplomatic approach? Where does Cheetah factor into all this? You know, the 80s, it's funny, it, it, it's, a very, it's a very ripe and fertile storytelling landscape if you're trying to tell a superhero movie with a lot of heart and that has something to say. And if, if there's anything clear about the first Wonder Woman movie is that Patty Jenkins doesn't want to just make popcorn fluff. She wants these movies to have something to say and to inspire and to encourage others to pick up a certain philosophy in life. And, you know, while, while most movies and stuff set in the 80s are more so 
kind of you know corny. It's more so you know they they focus on the 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 80s music and the fashions and all that sort of outrageousness that we associate with the glamorous hair metal 80s. But you know I have a feeling that Patty Jenkins and company are going to try to mine the 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 climate in the world at that time to perhaps have Diana make another statement about the human condition and and you know how we as a as a society as a culture as a people can heal and mend and work together towards a common goal so yeah, that I just I have a feeling that the 80s is not just going to be there so Diana can wear some wacky clothes and we can hear the Eurythmics playing in the background. You know, the, the 80s, that, that whole Cold War era is probably going to factor in just like, you know, they made such good use of World War One in the first movie. Um, so, you know, so I'm very excited about that 80s setting and the fact that Patty Jenkins has confirmed that. Then there's also, you know, that there was a little bit of a like behind-the-scenes sort of sizzle reel. I mean, how sizzling can behind-the-scenes footage be, really? But, you know, there was a little sizzle reel put together about Shazam, which is currently in production. And, you know, according to my friends over at Joe Blow, you know, Paul was talking about that they're really, really leaning into this idea of Shazam is like the Tom Hanks movie Big meets Superman. And apparently there's even a shot of Zachary Levy or Levi, Levy, Louvy, Levy, I have no idea, uh, kind of, you know, doing a dance on top of a big piano, which is a total homage to, to what happened in Big and one, one of the most iconic sequences from that Tom Hanks movie. So it looks like they're really leaning into that. And I really have a feeling that Shazam is going to be a very special movie. I really do. Um... You know, I know that there are people out there who want to say that, you know, it's corny. It's a, you know, a kid who says Shazam and he has powers from a wizard and it's just some guy who's just kind of a Superman ripoff. And yeah, people have all kinds of reasons to try to make it seem like this project is going to be dumb or corny or a waste of time or it's going to lack the drama or the stakes or the intensity of previous DCU entries. But I think they got it all wrong. I think this thing is going to be filled with heart. And emotion. I think it's going to appeal to kids and families and grown-ups. Um, and I just, you know, the, the, I just, I, I have every reason in the world to be optimistic about the type of film Shazam is going to be and the impact that it's going to have on the DC universe. So here's hoping that you know it lives up to that potential because it really feels like everyone's heart is in the right place. I love everything that Zachary has said about playing the role. I love Asher, I think his name is Asher Angel or something like that, who plays um, Billy. You know, everyone seems so jazzed to be a part of this and so excited to bring this story to life. I, I can't help but feel that, that that exuberance and that energy is going to translate on, you know, through, it's going to transcend the screen. It's going to transcend the movie and become sort of infectious and contagious to those of us in the audience. Because a lot of times, you know, you can sense it. You can tell when people love what they're working on and the whole thing just sort of percolates and brims with this undercurrent of positive energy. And I just, I can't help but feel that Shazam is going to be a shit ton of fun when it comes out next year. Um, and then there's these interesting rumors and things that keep coming out about Superman, about, you know, Cavill is in negotiations to extend his deal. And the fact that, you know, Collider is saying that Warner Brothers 
you know, doesn't just want him to be in a sequel, but they want him to appear in several films and kind of be like the glue that ties things together. I think that's a very interesting idea. I'm totally on board for that. You know, do I worry though? Like, I I hope that their priorities are in line, you know, in in the right state though, because I hope they don't just focus on these cameo appearances and then, you know, the sequel is less of a priority. I want a sequel above all else. And then the cameos. You know, the Shazam thing, you know, I've reported that's the plan. I've been told by people I trust that he's in the movie. But beyond that, like, I want a sequel. I want a Superman sequel. And I hope that the studio is working on that ahead of these cameo appearances and overall making his presence felt that we're hearing about now from Collider. Because, listen, cameos are great, and, and having this sense that the godlike, omnipotent Superman is around is very important and crucial to a shared universe set in the DC Comics realm. I, yeah, I, just, I need a sequel bef- uh, before all that. Or, you know, aside from all that, that needs to be the priority. Um, so it's interesting, you know, you got Cavill going around talking about he's taking all these meetings and, you know, and, and his managers and posting about, oh, we have all this exciting stuff on the way. We got Henry Cavill talking about, you know, uh, I'm going to read you the whole quote that he gave to Collider. He says, I'm having a, a lot of a lot of conversations. I'm going to do a very bad British accent because I'm over-caffeinated and why the fuck not? He says, I'm having a lot of conversations behind the scenes with certain people and we will hopefully be having conversations with other people who are also behind the scenes to make things start happening. It is very much in my desire to do a Man of Steel 2, a direct sequel to Man of Steel, and there is a whole bunch of Superman's story that I want to tell. There is a whole style of Superman's character that I'm very keen to tell and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Now, let's break that down a little bit. When he talks about the whole style of Superman's character, you know, I, I believe that works perfectly in conjunction with a lot of the comments he's made in recent months about how much he endorses the character's use in the theatrical cut of Justice League. Okay, that was a big word salad right there. How do I say that in a simpler way, you yammering idiot Mario? Um, in Justice League... While many people had issues with his portrayal, and obviously the whole mustache gate was a big, you know, black eye on the whole thing, he has said that he likes the way the character was portrayed. He has said over and over again that there were mistakes in the past. You know, it doesn't sound like he was very much on board with the way the character came off in Man of Steel and in Batman v Superman. And that in all honesty, the Superman that we glimpsed in Justice League in his fleeting, you know, 10 to 12 minutes of screen time, that was more in line with the Superman that he wants to play. And it sounds like, you know, he's dying to continue to explore that version of Superman. So here's hoping he gets that opportunity sooner rather than later. Um, But it's interesting. He's talking about all these conversations he's been having. And now, thanks to Christopher McQuarrie, who's been very chatty lately on this subject, we know he's one of the people that Cavill's been having conversations with. Because he revealed that while on the set for Mission Impossible Fallout, which comes out in July, they spoke about Superman. Mr. McQuarrie said, by the way, he's not foreign, so I can't give him an accent. 
So I'm sorry for those of you who are just dying to hear me butcher someone else's accent. But Mr. McQuarrie said, We had a lot of time hanging out on set, and Henry's a huge fan of Superman. I can't help but talk story to people, so he told me his take on Superman, and I thought it was really great, and I gave him my two cents. The tweet you're referring to is somebody asked, Would you do it? And I said, Hey, you know where to find me. Nobody's asked, but, you know. And then he sort of trails off, kind of basically implying like, hey, listen, I'm just waiting for that call to come. So Warner Brothers, do you hear that? Give this man a call. Um, And also, you know, I got to just once again give a special shout out to listener and reader Cisco Elizondo. Cisco, I'm sure you're listening to this because you always give me some feedback on these episodes. And thank you for doing that. Thank you to everyone who takes the time to go to Twitter, by the way, and comment on anything that I discuss here on the show. It means a lot to me to know that anybody out there is listening to me. But either way, Cisco, good job asking Macquarie that question, and you got him to, you know, discuss, you know, to, to discuss this publicly, and now it seems to be, you know, picking up speed, picking up momentum. Comicbook.com asked him about it. There are all kinds of stories going around, all because of Cisco's tweet to him. So Cisco, thank you. This is what Revenge of the Fans is about. Connecting the fans to the creators they love, amplifying their voices, giving them a platform. And it's just I, I, I love seeing fans interact with the creators of the properties that mean the most to them. And, you know, this is just great. This is just great. So I wanted to just, first of all, just thank Cisco again for talking, to, to, for helping get Macquarie's comments into the light. So w- there were a couple things about that quote that, that sort of struck me as, as cool, as, as why I would love to see Macquarie get this job. You know, I love that he says, I can't help but talk story to people. You know, Macquarie is a storyteller. He's a filmmaker who approaches this as, you know, he knows that at the heart of all these big blockbusters, at, at the heart of everything, you have to have a good story and relatable characters. You can't reverse engineer it. You can't just go, well, I want a badass superhero movie and explosions and a big third act battle, and I want this and that, and then figure out how you get there later. He knows that story is the most important thing. So the fact that he's, you know, he, he's a story first type of filmmaker, you know, means a lot to me. I think that's, the, you know, you need to have that approach because Superman's one of those characters where if you're more about the spectacle, than about the character and the story, the film falls apart because then it's more about him showing off his powers and blowing stuff up and showing off what a demigod he is, and it's kind of, and then it just kind of becomes a movie about empty calories. A Superman story only works if you're deeply invested in the character, if you love him, the world around him, his his supporting players. That is the key to a great Superman film. It's not about showing how powerful he is and him throwing tanks into the sky and whatever, you know. It's not about that. A good Superman story lives and dies on the story and your investment in the characters. And Macquarie is someone who I feel like he gets that balance. You know, if you look at Rogue Nation, if you look at the script that he wrote for Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie, which I really loved, if you look at his script for Usual Suspects, I mean, if you look at at this man's overall history in Hollywood, he's someone who knows that a movie lives or dies on that great script, cracking that perfect story, creating intrigue, having twists and turns, and it's not necessarily about blowing stuff up and giving people spectacle and and trying to sell toys. 
So he's exactly the type of guy with the right kind of sensibility, I think, to tell a riveting Superman story. So here's hoping Mr. Macquarie gets it done, gets that call, because, you know, I, I think he'd be ideal for it. And just to sort of circle back to something I spoke about a few weeks ago, you know, in terms of these negotiations with Cavill, you know, I thought they were done. They, yeah, that wasn't based on a scoop or any insider intel. But, you know, it, it, it's, it, 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 it can be sort of hard to gauge the priorities when it comes to Hollywood. You know, because sometimes you start a project off and all you have is a director and then the director puts everything together and hires his star and all this other stuff. And sometimes you have projects where the director comes on after the train's already sort of left the station, where the studio's already put all the deals in place, they have their stars, they have their script in mind, and now they hire a director to come in and just execute it. So, you know, th there's no, like, right or wrong way, there's no set way to do it. But, you know, like, last month or so when I heard that Matthew Vaughn's name is still getting you know, whispered about behind the scenes, I assumed that that meant that Cavill's deal has been finalized. But as it turns out, it hasn't yet. They're still working that out. So what I'm thinking is we're not going to hear about Macquarie or Matthew Vaughn or J.A. Bayona or any directors for that matter for Superman until they know exactly how long they've got Cavill for and they've all agreed on what the future of the character is. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to circle back to that because, you know, I know that I had initially reported, you know, not that I initially reported, but, like, you know, I, I had speculated about a month or so ago that the negotiations must be done by now, but that was just my own naivety. I forget that, you know... Hollywood, you never know which, which way they're going to go first. Do they want the star first? Do they want the director first? Do they want the script first? You know, at what point do they go for their director? It all, you know, it, it kind of varies project to project. Um, so, yeah. Now, a little bit of other DC stuff that I've been hearing or stuff I want to discuss with you is that, you know, with all this stuff going on, I want to remind you, you know, there's all these announcements of different movies, you know, and there's the Batgirl stuff from two weeks ago and the Birds of Prey stuff from last week. And people are wondering, what does this mean for Nightwing? And you got Matt Reeves going around on social media, getting people excited about, you know, the fact that he's got Bat on the brain lately. And that's all wonderful. But just remember, even with all these announcements, the only films that are actually in a state of like development where they're, where they're being sl like slotted for production are Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, The Batman, Suicide Squad 2. Those are the only ones that are like 100% on the way. Things like the Superman sequel, until they get the director and, and Cavill's deal all negotiated, that's still just one of those things that's on the perimeter. So, so are Batgirl, so are Birds of Prey, so is Nightwing, so are the, uh, what is that, the New Gods, that uh, Ava DuVernay. You know, all the, th there's been all this stuff going on, all of this chatter, but really, you know, the those that I just named, and the Flash movie, I should mention too, I've... This is what I have. This is what happens when I don't write anything down. But yes, the Flash movie also. You know, aside from those, everything else is still in this like project battle royale that I described before at over at Warner Brothers. You know, doesn't mean that we're never going to see them. They may get bumped up onto the actual slate. But just you know, don't you know? I, this is just again a potent reminder to not count your chickens before they're hatched. Yes, we're hearing about all these movies, and, we, and Deathstroke recently popped up again on, on everyone's radar this week. 
You know, there's all this stuff out there, but remember, this doesn't mean we're going to see all of them. You know, and there's even what the, the Black Hawk movie, and you had Greg Berlanti talking about Booster Gold. You know, so I, I just once again want to caution everyone to hold your horses that the only movies that are right now 100% ready to happen and are going to happen are Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, The Batman, Suicide Squad 2, and The Flash movie. Everything else is going to be contingent on those scripts coming in perfectly, the directors you know, coming in and, and you know, setting the uh, WB brass on fire with what they want to do with the material. And also how these movies perform. You know, they're, they're going to want to see how Aquaman does and Shazam does before they start looking at other characters. So right now, everyone just kind of hold your horses for a little while. I know it's very excited. It's a very exciting time, I should say, to be a DC fan. Which, by the way, isn't that just kind of crazy to say? <laughs> isn't it wonderful that after all of the controversy and all of the drama around Justice League last year, that it's actually an exciting time to be a DCU fan again. Because to me, that's the big takeaway from all the, the, these little bits of DC information that have come out this week. Between the Aquaman footage, the Wonder Woman 2 stuff, the fact that they flew uh, you know, Henry Cavill and Ezra Miller, they, they were at CinemaCon there as part of the team. You know, you had Ben Affleck at a, at a fan convention three, you know, three weeks ago you know, citing things as Batman. I don't know what that means he's staying. I, I still doubt that he is. But, you know, then you have the, sh you know, the, the Shazam stuff that they're showing off, these Macquarie quotes. You have Henry Cavill talking about Superman. For me, the big takeaway of these last three weeks of different little bits of DC goodness is that this franchise is alive and it's not going anywhere. So don't you listen to the haters out there who talk about how BVS killed the franchise. Don't you listen to the people who are basically trying to laugh at DC and put up Marvel on some sort of pedestal. Because yes, Marvel is having a great run and Infinity War is gonna be is gonna do great numbers and it's gonna be another great triumph. But you know what? DC's got Steven Spielberg working on a Blackhawks movie. They have Christopher McQuarrie out there saying he wants to make a Superman movie. They have Matt Reeves doing middle-of-the-night tweets about Batman because he's, he's got Batman on the brain. You have Joe Manganiello going around talking about he's written an entire comprehensive backstory because he cannot wait to play Slade Wilson and how that influenced the creation of a Deathstroke movie. You have all of these very passionate, creative artists Artists, some of the titans of industry like Spielberg and an up-and-coming titan of industry like Macquarie and like Reeves, all excited and living and breathing DC Comics. So the DC brand is not dead, it's alive. Listen, these characters have been around for the better part of a century. Remember, Superman just celebrated his 80th year last week. It's going to take more than two or three polarizing movies to sink this ship. DC is not going anywhere. And if you really pay attention to all the writing on the wall and the caliber of talent of people who are involved and excited and invested in this franchise, it is very, very easy to see that the DC brand is preparing to rise from the ashes like a phoenix. So um, it, it's a very exciting time, and it's funny to be talking about this on the day that Infinity War opens, because in theory, this is a time to be talking all things Marvel. But you know what? With all of this interesting DC stuff coming around, 
it, all it does is instill in me further optimism, more of the positive energy that I've been feeling ever since Justice League com came out, that they're going to get this thing on track and it's going to be really, really exciting. So I hope you share my excitement. I hope you continue to check RevengeOfTheFans.com on a daily basis to find out the latest and greatest news and rumors and gossip and bochinche about DC, about Marvel, about all things geek. I had to keep this episode short and sweet because as it stands, I have to go pick up my son from school and I've got a wedding to work in about three hours and I've got, it's a very hectic day for me here at Revenge of the Fans headquarters, aka Castle Robles, aka my house. Um, so I, I have to keep this episode kind of brief. I'm sorry to uh, kind of leave you hanging. I know last week's episode was two hours, and this one's going to clock in at around 33 minutes. So that's quite a disparity in length there. Uh, I will be sure to get back to you guys next week, and the Revengers will return after a one-week unannounced hiatus. Just It's been a crazy week here. And just a quick update on that Superman video that I promised you guys you know, I started recording it, but then I just, I had to stop because it's just been a crazy week and my daughter just turned seven and next week my son turns four and in this house everything is upside down a little bit. It's just been very hectic and it's, I'm running around like a chicken without a head. But I do have that Superman video that's m almost complete and I will share with you guys what my ideal Superman story and what my twist on the Superman, Superman mythology will be soon enough. I'll be sure to let you guys know, and I'll have audio and video versions of that. So stay tuned. Be sure to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the El Fanboy Podcast. And until next week, adios.